right, good morning, everybody. You glad to be here on Easter Sunday morning? Man, me too. And hey, I want to stop for a minute and give a shout out to all those in our Freedom Ministry that are watching online, everyone else watching online, and those watching at other venues on our campus. Uh, happy Easter, and we're so glad you're joining us uh, today. Now, if you're a regular around here, you know how this thing works. I always say, open up your Bible. We look at a big chunk of Scripture. We unpack it, try to learn what that means for our life. But today, uh, I'm kind of letting you out a little easy because... Uh, well, it's, it's an Easter special. I got an Easter special. We're only going to do one verse, right? So turn to the person next to you and say, only one verse? Only one verse. In fact, uh, it's probably a verse that's very familiar to you. Uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a guy, guy called Rainbow Man that put on a rainbow wig. And he would have this one verse on his sign. He'd show up on different sporting events, maybe on a t-shirt. He always was showing off this one verse, Right? If you go to In-N-Out Burger and you look at the bottom of the cup, make sure it's empty, look at the bottom of the cup, and uh, you'll find this one verse. If you go to uh, Forever 21, right, you, you look on the bottom of the bag, you're going to find this one verse. Tim Tebow, when he won his national championship, had this one verse underneath his eyes. And even most recently, when Georgia played Ohio State at that last field goal attempt, I'm sorry, Ohio State fans, at least there was a guy in the end zone with this one verse, right? Can anybody tell me what the one verse is? Very good, John 3.16, that's exactly right. So that's the one verse we're looking at today. So if you got your Bible, I want you to open it up. If you uh, don't have one with you, you can open it up on your phone or your tablet. John chapter 3 is where we're going to be uh, today. You know, John 3.16 is one of the most beloved verses in the Bible. If you go to a hotel room and pull out a Gideon Bible, in the front uh, part of that Bible, there will be this verse translated in 27 different languages. Uh, it, is, it has been called the Bible in a nutshell, the gospel in a nutshell. And why is this verse so important? Why do so many people love this verse? And I think it's because this verse tells you everything you need to know to be right with God. So we're going to look at this one verse uh, this morning. Now, let me just say this. This one verse is spoken by Jesus, but it's, it's kind of in the context of a larger conversation that Jesus was having with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a very religious man. He was Jewish. He, uh, he was not a Jewish, he was a teacher in Judaism. He was a, uh, a very prominent man. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, a very prominent, high-ranking official. Uh, he would have memorized books of the Bible, not just verses of the Bible. He knew everything in and out. He was religious with a capital R. Uh, he was also very moral. He was very good. Uh, he was better than most people are. Uh, he, he had all that going for him. But he came one night to Jesus with questions because he knew in all of the stuff that he was into, he knew that there was something missing in his life. Now, let me just say, you're here on Easter Sunday morning and, and you may be a good person, a good mom, a good dad, a good friend. You may work really hard at your job and do the best you can to treat people right. And you try to live a good life. You may even believe in God. Maybe, maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you didn't. But, but you know, man, there's something missing. Then I want you to listen in. 
When Jesus had this conversation with Nicodemus, he very quickly diagnosed the problem. He put his finger right on it in just a few minutes. And what he said is basically this, Nicodemus, what you're missing is an internal change that only God can bring. That's what you're missing. Nicodemus, you, you, he, he knew uh, about God, but he did not know God. He had a head knowledge, but he had no heart change. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you've got all this in your head and you believe all the right things, but, but you've never been changed on the inside. That's what you're missing. In fact, Jesus went on to say, it's, it's kind of like this. It's like when you're born, Nicodemus, you're born physically, and man, everything changed for you, man. When you, when you were born into this world, man, your eyes were open, everything changed. He said, in the same way, you have to be born spiritually. And, and when that happens, everything changes. And that's what Nicodemus was missing. He was missing this new birth, this being born again is what Jesus said. And I think there are a lot of people today that and they know a lot about God. They quote chapter and verse, been in church, grew up Presbyterian, Methodist, you know, whatever. But, but they've never truly been changed on the inside. And if that's you today, if that's what you're missing, then that's why we're talking about John 3.16. Because this one verse tells us how to change. So let's look at it. Uh, John chapter 3, beginning of verse uh, 16. Uh, this is the word of God. Amen. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Uh, what does this verse tell us? Well, I'm going to give you four things very quickly. Number one, this verse tells us of God's love. Look at the very first couple of words, for God loved the world. Now, when it, when it talks about world here, he's not talking about the planet. He's talking about the people, that God loves you. Listen to me. Listen, listen here. God loves you. God loves you. The God of the universe knows who you are, created you, and loves you. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? A theologian several years ago went to visit University of Chicago and after his lectures, they opened the floor up for question and answer and a student stood up and said, Professor, could you summarize your life's work? And that's hard to do because this guy had written volumes and volumes of theology. Can you summarize your life's work? He paused for just a minute and he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's it. It's the wonder of all wonders that God could love you and me. And that's exactly how this verse starts off, that God loves you. But it's not the kind of love like we have. Jeremiah in the Old Testament said God's love is an everlasting love. His love is a faithful love. He doesn't love like we love. We love when we feel like it. We love as long as we've got the feels. He, we love, our love is fickle. It's off and on, off and on. But God's love is constant. It's never changing. It's eternal love. It's a steadfast love. That's kind of love God has for you. Now, some people have a hard time with this. I mean, and, and it may be you right now. You may be thinking this like, yeah, preacher, see, that's the problem I have. That's the problem I got. Because, man, you stand up there, you say, God loves us, but, but man, uh, you're not living what I'm living. 
Because God, there's some bad things that have happened in my life. There's some hard things that are happening. If God loves me, then why is he allowing these things to happen to me? If God really loved me, he wouldn't allow these things in my life. Let me tell you what, that's, that's an honest question. And I think it deserves an honest answer. I'm not going to skirt it this morning. That life is hard. And many of you have been walking through the hardest time you ever have in recent days. But if you, if you were to pull back, all right, and look at the world from a 30,000 foot view, all right, you'd have to agree that our culture, our world has pushed God away. Do you agree with that? I mean, we, we don't want God in our life. We don't want God to tell us what to do. We, anything that, that speaks of the scripture or God, we want out of our life. We want to live our own way, do our own thing. We don't want God telling us what to do. And our culture has pushed God out. And consequently, we live in a world that is crazy. So much chaos, hatred, division, anxiety, uh, stress. All these things are a result uh, of chaos because we have pushed God out of our life. Now, let's zero that back into you and draw a circle around you. When you say no to God's love, when you push God away, you're choosing a very hard road, a very difficult road, a very lonely road. In fact, the Bible says that a life without God is a life without hope. And when you push God out, you lose hope. And listen, in the midst of all that, God chooses to love us. Now listen, a lot of times we, we feel the emptiness. We feel that we're missing something. And so we chase after it. We chase after it with alcohol. We chase after it with, with, with just success and winning and relationships and sex and whatever, whatever we can get our hands on to fill that void. But listen, you can never satisfy what only God can fill. In fact, St. Augustine once put it this way, he said, Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until we find rest in you. So God loves you. God created you to know him in a deep and personal and intimate way. You may say, well, I don't really don't feel God's love. Well, that brings us to the second point. God has proven his love for you. There's some proof. I'm not just out here talking about it. God has proven his love for you. Look, at, look again at the verse. Uh, God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. Now, anytime you see the phrase gave his son or gave his only son, this is a reference to the death of Jesus. In fact, it's interesting if you study the Bible that the love of God is often mentioned at the same time that, that the sacrifice of Jesus is mentioned. And that's because Jesus' sacrifice proves how much God loves you. In fact, in Romans 5, 8, it says, for God proved his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said, I love you so much. And he raised his hands out like this and they nailed him to a cross. That's how much he loves you. Think about it. How, how much would you have to love someone to give your very own son or daughter, your very own child? That's how much God loves you. You say, well, why did Jesus have to die anyway? It's a really good question. Jesus died because his death was the only solution to our greatest need, our greatest problem, and that is separation. See, the Bible tells us that our sin has separated us from God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, this word sin is, a, is an archery term. I've got a bow. Every once in a while I go out and shoot it, all right? 
and I'll go down to the range and I'll set everything up and I'll sit back there and I'll, I'll shoot. I'm not gonna hit the bullseye every time. I know I'm gonna disappoint you this morning, but I'm not gonna hit the bullseye every time. I mean, sometimes I'm way off base, all right? I gotta get the sights in because I'm way off base. But anytime I miss the bullseye, that's the word sin. I have fallen short. I have missed the mark. And that's our problem. That we've fallen short, we miss the mark of perfection, of loving God perfectly and living for God perfectly. We've not hit that. We miss the mark. And a lot of people say, well, man, nobody's perfect. And that's the problem. That's our problem. That's right, nobody's perfect. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short. We, we have all failed to meet the standard by which we have access to God in heaven. We failed it, we've fallen short. And that's why Jesus came to reconcile us back to God, to deal with our sin problem. And that happened on the cross. For all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, the scripture says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus died on the cross. Think about it. All your sin put on the back of Jesus. All that you've done put on his back, and he died in your place. Listen, um, Nicodemus thought he was all Okay. He thought he was good. You would have thought he was definitely all right. But Nicodemus was finding out from Jesus that he was just like you and me. He was a sinful man, fallen short of the glory of God, in desperate need of a Savior. And we have a choice to make. Look at what it says. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. Check this out. So that everyone who believes in him. Stop right there. This is talking about our response to what Jesus Christ has done. Everyone who believes in him. Uh, circle the word everyone. All right. Everyone. I love that word. Everyone. Some versions say whosoever. I love that, love that word too. What it means is that God's grace and forgiveness is available to everyone. It's available to everyone. There's no one too far gone that God cannot change and save and forgive and restore. There's no, and no matter what culture you're in, no matter what country you're in, no matter what language you speak, no matter what's happened to you, where you come from, what you've done, it doesn't matter. No one is outside the reach of the grace of God. It's available for everyone, but yet it's only effective for those who believe. See that? Everyone who believes these are the ones that are, are changed, those who believe. In fact, that word believe is a really important word. 270 times it's mentioned in the Bible. A third of those times are mentioned in the Gospel of John. So it's a, it's a really important word. Jesus uses it over and over and over and over again. So what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Let me tell you what it does not mean. Now listen to me, lean in on this because this, this is going to speak right to some of you. Some people say, well, it just means well, I believe in my mind, you know, that these, this is right. A lot of people say, okay, you know, I, I believe, I believe in God, you know, <laughs> I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, I believe John 3.16, I believe all that's true. But I want you to hear me. I'm convinced that hell is filled with people who believe John 3.16 is true. Why? Because they have it here, but they've never truly believed in the Lord Jesus. It's never made a difference in their life. Roland Stewart is the name of the man that was the rainbow man, the one that put the rainbow wig on, the one that wore John 3.16. He's now serving three consecutive life sentences in prison 
for holding a person hostage and threatening to shoot at planes in LAX. That's super tragic. But it's an illustration of how you can know something up here but never be changed by the truth of it. So believing is not just agreeing with the Bible facts. Believing must be something more, and it is something more. To believe, get this, the word belief in the scripture, same word for faith, pistis in the Greek, what it means is to rely on, to completely trust in, to put all your weight down on something. That's what it means to believe, right? If I take you up to 10,000 feet in a little plane and uh, I say, do you believe in a parachute? Do you believe this parachute can bring you safely down? You can say, yeah, I believe it, but you don't really believe it until you strap the thing on and jump, right? Then you believe because you're putting your whole weight, everything trusting in this one thing to save you. And that's what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. That you come to a place where you say, you know what? I, I, I can't do it on my own. Something's got to change. And I trust in Jesus and his work on the cross to fully satisfy the wrath of God and make me acceptable to him. When I'm believing in Jesus, I'm no longer relying on my own efforts. Well, I'm good. I'm all right. It's all good. I believe the right things. Man, I grew up Baptist, man. I got to be good. You know, I did this. I did that. No, no, no. I was sprinkled as a kid. I can't, I'm no longer relying on those things. I am no longer reliving the way I used to live either. I find myself on my knees saying, Lord, only you can change me. And I need you. Listen, that's what we saw in Matt's story, right, that we just saw on video. I mean, everything was falling apart until he finally got on his knees and said, Lord Jesus, I'm placing my trust in you. I need you. And it was then that everything began to change. Listen to me. Nothing's going to change around you until something changes in you. Until you have what Nicodemus was missing. And that is an internal change that only God can bring about in your life to be changed by the love of God. Now listen, this promise of new life comes, um, or this, this uh, response of belief comes with a promise. Check out God's promise. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him, check this out, will not perish but have eternal life. You know, everyone spends eternity somewhere. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. And what Jesus is saying here to Nicodemus is this. Hey, if you believe in me, putting your trust and faith in me alone, if you do that, you will not face eternal punishment for your sin. But you will be given eternal life in heaven. One of the last things Jesus said in the upper room with his disciples is, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I'm coming back for you. Listen, that's your promise if you're placing your trust and faith in Jesus. You say, well, how, do, how can Jesus say that? I mean, how can anybody really know? How can anybody really know that there's life after the grave, right? I mean, I mean, we think about it. We hope about it. Somebody writes a book, how they died 30 seconds in hell, 30 seconds in heaven, you know. I mean, we see the books around there, but how can anybody really know? Is there any really tangible proof that, that there's, there's, there's someone who can conquer the grave? Somebody asked, is there any proof, yes or no? Yeah, yeah here, here's the proof. Because Jesus died on the cross. 
Roman executioners killed him. He was dead. They put his lifeless body in the tomb. And three days later, he walked out of the tomb. That's the proof that we have. Hey, listen, not only did he walk out of the tomb, hey, people are, yeah, really? No, 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 I'm, I'm serious. Walking out of the tomb, showing himself very much alive over 11 different appearances after his death to hundreds of people over a 40-day period of time. Jesus Christ, we do, we, do not, we do not have a dead religion. We have a living Savior in Jesus Christ. And if he can walk out of that tomb, man, he can change your life. He can change you like that. And some of you right now, there's just like, there's something welling up within you that says, man, that's what I need. That's what I need. I need Jesus to change me. Something's missing in my life. I need Christ in my life. Then God has brought you here for this very reason. There's somebody in this room, maybe many people in this room, that are going to walk out these doors different, changed by the love of God. Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? I'm going to give you an opportunity just to respond in faith to what Jesus has said. These are not my words. These are Jesus' words. God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you believe it? Are you willing to put your whole weight, your whole life, your whole eternity on it? If you're here today, just heads bowed. I'm gonna ask you in a minute to raise up your hand and just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not gonna call you out in any way. Nobody's pointing you out, but it just lets me know that God's working in your heart. And I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer of faith right where you're seated to receive Jesus Christ, to really come into a relationship with him. So if you're here today and you say, Craig, God's moving in my heart. God, I feel this urgency, this need for Christ that God's really been speaking to me today. And God's, he's, he's knocking on my heart's door. I need Christ. I want to be forgiven. I want to know Jesus. Then just right where you are, heads bowed, nobody looking around, just lift up your hand. All right, I see that hand. Anybody else? All right, thank you. Lift it up high enough where I can see it. All right, thank you, thank you. Lift it up, all right, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? All right. Thank you. Lift it up. Don't, don't hesitate. If the Spirit of God is moving in your heart, why would you push him away? All right. Thank you. Now's the time. This is your opportunity. Lift it up. All right. Now put your hand down. Just pray this prayer with me if you raised your hand. Dear Lord, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. I know I've missed the mark. And I believe Jesus died on a cross for me. And he was raised again. And so I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Wipe me clean on the inside. Fill that void in my life with your love. Lord Jesus, I'm turning from my old way and I'm trusting in you. I wanna live for you. I want to follow you, Lord Jesus, with all that I am. Thank you for loving me. And Lord, I just thank you for the, just the simple truth of this one verse, this one verse that changes everything. 
Lord, thank you that those of us who know you have been changed by your love, changed forever. And Lord, I pray that as we go through this celebration, this resurrection day, that we would just again be reminded of what you have done and how we have been forever changed by you. We love you. We worship you. And we pray this in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me and let's just sing one more time uh, what Jesus has done for us.